Now grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Gospel lesson from Mark chapter 8 will serve as the basis for the sermon today. Got to be honest with you, I, um, I struggled to come up with a sermon opener this week, right? Um, sometimes that happens to me. Sometimes I struggle with the whole sermon in particular, but I had the rest of the sermon. I knew what I wanted to, wanted, wanted to deliver today, but I could not come up with anything that was good. In fact, what I had was so boring, I fell asleep. And that's, you know, saying something, okay, because I wrote it. Um, so I scrapped this thing last night, started from scratch, and and... So I want to share with something share something that happened to me last night because it was kind of interesting. There I was sitting in my hot tub in my backyard last night because I'm finding the older I get, the more I ache. And so I'm sitting out there and I'm you know I'm just kind of doing my thing and I look out to the east on the eastern horizon. Now the sun had gone down, right? And I see like this glow coming up behind the cloud mix. I'm like, oh, that's right, it's a full moon tonight, right? So I'm watching. And sure enough, here comes the moon. And now above my fence line, I can see about five feet of my, the top of my neighbor's, you know, crepe myrtles back there. And the sun was, or the moon was right in the middle of it. Okay. And I'm going, you know what? I'm going to watch this thing tonight. I want to see how long it takes for that thing to come up above, you know, the rest of the crepe myrtle. So I'm going to be purposeful and intentional in watching this thing. So there I am. And I'm just staring at it. Right. And, and I've got nothing else going on in my mind. I'm staring at it. And it's like, is this thing moving or not? You know, it's kind of like watching Waterboy. You never really can tell what's going on. And so when I just when I'm thinking it's like gaining on the top of this tree, um, Cloud Bank comes and hides the moon. Man, you know, go figure. That, that's about right. You know, now when the about five minutes later when the Cloud Bank moved, here's the moon, and it's like way above the top of this tree. And I'm thinking, golly, man, I really miss this thing. Then I started thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, wow, you know, that's kind of cool. So that moon moves with a purpose, right? And I started thinking about what the purpose of the moon was and then how the earth rotates. And I started thinking about the purpose of all these things that God ordered in creation and, and what he created, although I can't quite figure out fire ants just yet, but I got the rest of it for the most part, right? And I'm sitting here and I'm focusing on all this. And then I started questioning what my purpose was in life in the grand scheme of all these things. And I started thinking about, geez, do I have a purpose? There's got to be some purpose. God's got me here for some reason, right? And I started thinking, God starts nudging me back towards the gospel lesson today. And I said, oh, that's right. Yeah, you know, God has a purpose for everything. And God has a purpose in our lives as His children and that purpose was given to us because Jesus' ministry was purposeful. And I started pulling on this thread and I started realizing, oh yeah, every one of us has a purpose in life and it's all connected to God's purpose. And then I realized that everything that Jesus does is purposeful in His ministry. Everything that He says has a purpose and an intention. Every action that He has has a purpose and an intention. And that's all because God was purposeful and intentional in wanting to reconcile him, His creation with Him. And then I started looking at this text, which has you know, given me some cause and pause over the years as I've read it. And I started thinking, well, okay, so if Jesus has a purpose for everything He does and He says, then what was the purpose of Him asking these questions of the disciples? 
He asked just because he's some politician wanting to know where he stands in the you know and, and the polls out there with with people, or was it some other purpose? So let's start with the first question Jesus asked. Here he is strolling along with his disciples, and he goes up to him and he says, "Oh, by the way, who do people say I am?" Now, this is a fairly innocent question, right? And, and all that's required of the disciples at this point is just a report back to Jesus, or that's what it seems like, right? Oh, yeah, you know, some people say you're John the Baptist, and others say you're Elijah. And, well, honestly, you know, some people say you know, you're, you're, you're a prophet, right? And so all, all, all they're doing is reporting what they've heard at this point. But then Jesus gets more direct and pointed towards them when he asks the next question. Imagine you're standing there and Jesus asks you this. But who do you say I am? Who do you and you and you and you and you and me and you who do you, who do we say he is? Who do you say I am? And I'm thinking to myself, man, what if Jesus asked me that question point blank? Who would I say he is? I'd probably be like Peter, right? I, we don't know if the rest of the disciples actually answer this question or even get a word in edgewise because. Peter, the leader, always is the one jumping to the forefront of everything, right? And so Peter just dives right in like he always does and opens his mouth and says, oh, you're the Christ. Now, he's not off base here, okay? But I have a little trouble understanding Peter's response. I can understand the response of the people who said that, you know, Jesus is John the Baptist or Elijah, because some of the things that Jesus has done in his ministry to this point might invoke, you know, some of those names. He's done some of those things that, that Peter and John the Baptist, I mean, that John the Baptist and Elijah and them done, done. But Peter's response makes no sense to me whatsoever. He's, he's got the right answer, okay? But it, it makes no sense. Why? Why do I say that? Because of this reason right here. What does Christ mean? Christ is the Greek for the Hebrew Messiah. Right? And the Jewish expectation of what a Messiah would be is that it would be some royal king coming from the, from the Davidic line, coming down who is going to restore Israel to their former glory and is going to purify them and eradicate all their enemies. And yet, Jesus has done nothing in His ministry to this point that shows anything that looks like that. He's done everything the opposite of what their expectation, what Peter and the disciples' expectations are of a Messiah. So when you think of that, then His, his answer really makes no, no sense. But then what does Jesus say at the end of all that? Anybody know? What does Jesus tell him? He says, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody what you just told me. And I started thinking, why would Jesus say that? What's his purpose in telling them that? Well, if their expectation is that Jesus is supposed to be this kind of Savior, and they're reporting that the people out there think that Jesus is John the Baptist or Elijah, and they themselves, Peter in particular, has this expectation of Jesus as the Christ, I wouldn't want him saying anything either. Why? Because they would go out and tell everybody else what the Christ is, 
in their own expectations rather than what Jesus is really all about. And what that means at the end of the day is that neither Peter nor the disciples or anybody else for that matter has the right expectation. They're not bought in to what Jesus' ministry, what His purpose is. That's it at the end of the day. This is why Jesus tells them to keep quiet. Don't tell anybody what I'm all about. And then what happens? So, you know, He goes on to to talk about these things and He's gauging them and all that. And then Jesus starts teaching them, right? And He says, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and, and three days rise again. Rejected? Killed? That's not what's supposed to happen according to the Jewish tradition of what a Christ is. Right? Perhaps this is why, why, why Peter pulls him aside. It's probably a good thing that Peter's easy. You got the, all this wrong. I just hear what I just told you, Christ. That's not what's the Christ. Complete wrong meaning and expectation of. And that's because Peter himself isn't fully bought in to the mission of Christ. So I'm taking this leadership class where I work, and I had to watch one of these TED Talk videos. If you don't know what TED Talk is, right? Um, it's pretty cool. But there was this guy named Simon Sinek who um, has this concept called the Golden Circle, and it was a really cool video to, to as he described what this Golden Circle was all about. And what he had been doing was he was he was studying successful organizations. Um, and what made him so successful. And in the, all of this, he, he's like going off of human emotions and how this, you know, and our thinking drives things. So he's got this golden circle concept. And, and the small circle in the center has the word why, W-H-Y. And then you got the outer circle around that one. And in that circle, it says the word how. And then the last circle has the word what. Now what Simon goes on to point out is that for the majority of us, Everybody seems to think from the outside in. So we always start with the what, right? And work our way back to the why. But as he looked at people like Apple and Amazon and some of these other successful ones, what he discovered was that they started in the center with the word why and worked their way outward towards what. Now his whole premise here is that you, the goal is to do business with people who buy into why you do what you do and not necessarily what you have. So think about that. Think about that in terms of being a Christian. Think about that in terms of the purpose of Jesus' ministry. So often as Christians, we fail because we're out there providing a what, so to speak, and we're ourselves right here aren't bought into the why of Jesus' business of God's business. We don't understand our own purpose sometimes. How in the world is anybody ever going to believe in Christ if we're not buying into it? Kind of interesting when you think about it. So for Peter and the disciples, and really for the Jews as a whole, right, given their traditional messianic expectation, they aren't bought in yet to the purpose Jesus' ministry. Not because Jesus is focusing on the what of His Father's business, but because they are. They're looking at what God has to offer in terms of what they want to see Him offer and have no clue 
about why Jesus is doing what He's doing. Jesus' purpose isn't just for salvation for the Jews, but for the whole of all creation. Jesus Himself is focused on the why of God's business. So then Jesus responds to Peter's rebuke with a harsh rebuke of His own. Get behind me, Satan. You are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Right here shows that there is a vast distance between the thinking of man and that of God. Look at the following verses that go on, you know, and Jesus starts laying out his expectations for the disciples. These expectations, honestly, cause a lot of people to turn tail and run the other way. What does Jesus expect? Well, first of all, I think it's important to point out here that as Jesus lays out the expectations of his followers, this is a mark of a good leader. He's not asking them anything that he's not willing or going to do first himself. So what does He lay out for His followers? Deny yourselves. Take up your crosses and follow Me. Think about that for a second. Jesus isn't, when He's talking about the suffering that they're going to face, He's not talking about the everyday suffering that we have in our broken lives or in the brokenness of this world. He's not talking about you know our, our, our little ailments, our, our sniffles and colds. He's not talking about the COVID-19 pandemic. Right? He's not talking about um, the suffering uh, that we get sometimes with you know, hitting our, our fingers with a hammer or something like that. What he is talking about, though, what he is talking about is that there will be times when we may face rejection to the message that we're proclaiming, even in our own families, with our own family members. There may be times that, yeah, our physical lives could be threatened. We certainly have seen that in the news with missionaries around the world who've lost their lives because they're in dangerous places. And he's also not telling us to go out and seek to become a martyr for his cause. Because Jesus didn't seek to become a martyr. He just knew that that was an outcome that was for him down the road in his ministry. As he would be abandoned, as he would be rejected, as he'd be beaten and hung on a cross, to the point of death. But this is what we are called to do as His followers. That means we've got to be intentional and purposeful in realizing that we have a purpose in life. That Jesus' purposefulness has given us purpose. It means that realizing the purpose that Jesus came for it's because of the depths of the love of God. That God was purposeful in reconciling Himself to His creation. It also means that we have to prioritize God first in our lives. It means when Jesus says losing your lives for the sake of the Gospel, it means losing our, our, our everyday lives by spending time with other people. Utilizing the resources that God has first given us to bless others with so that they have a purpose in life. That's all a part of our mission and what we're called to be. You know, many years ago, I had this little old lady that lived out at the Lutheran Haven. And she collected magnets. And she had this refrigerator in her house that had like all these magnets with different sayings on it. And one of the magnets that she had on there had this 
big warship on it. And it said, ships are safe when they're in the harbor. But that's not what a ship was built for. And I want you to think about that for a moment. Christians are safe when they're in the harbor. But that's not the purpose of a Christian, is it? That's not what we were built for through Christ, was it? No, we were given a calling. We were called to be purposeful and intentional in what we're to carry out. And so I ask you today, have you considered your purpose in life? What is your purpose? What has God called you to do? Are we being purposeful by spending time in God's Word and in worship and in fellowship with one another, building ourselves up so that we can go out and use the things that God has given us to bless others? What might like what might that look like for ascension? If we started doing those things, what might like that look like for Castleberry or for the communities we live in? or for our workplaces or our schools, if we were purposefully intentional about carrying out our purpose in life for God. We need to be purposeful about the why of God's business. Not necessarily about the what. And so i got three challenges for you today. One, I would challenge each and every one of us Notice I didn't say you because I'm going to lump myself in here. Us. With being purposeful about prioritizing God first in our lives. Not just worship, but being in His Word. Strengthening ourselves. Two, I would challenge us to be purposeful about praying to God about how He would have us use the things He has blessed us with to bless others with. And then three, I would challenge us to be purposefully intentional as a community of believers here at Ascension, to not remain stagnant, especially while we're in a call process, but to keep moving together forward so that others can have the purposeful blessing of God that you and I have. How will we respond? How will we be purposeful today and in the days to come? You know, we may struggle with this and we will attempt to play it safe and focus on what, on the what of God's business. Especially the what as we want it to apply to our own lives. But Christ, thankfully, faithfully, carried out His purpose. Even though He knew what the outcome was going to be. Allowing Himself to be rejected and abandoned. To be spat upon, crowned with thorns, hung on a cross, buried as a pauper in a tomb. But thankfully, He did that. He did that because as He rose again from the dead, He showed that He was fully bought into God's plan. He showed the why of God's purpose, giving you and me a new life. And that, my friends, is a purposeful life. A purpose well worth living for. So may we all be purposeful for God as He purposefully goes and works for you and I so that others can have the purpose that we have. And to God be all the glory. Amen.